Thanks for tuning in to the second season of Let the Truth Talk. My name is Tara. And my name is Tandia. This season, we will be talking about some common misconceptions around sexual violence in our society. These misconceptions can prevent victims from speaking out, seeking help, and holding perpetrators responsible for the assault. When dismantling the myths around sexual violence, the facts should always come first. Getting the facts and dismantling these myths are an important step in ending sexual violence and finding ways to best support survivors of sexual violence. Follow along with us as we break down the myths and the truths of sexual violence. We would like to honor and acknowledge the traditional lands of Treaty 7, upon which YWCA Banff is located. We recognize that we have a responsibility to understand our history and the spirit and intent of Treaty 7 so that we can honor the past, be aware of the present, and build a just and caring future. Before we get started, we just wanted to give a listener's note. While we're talking about sexual violence, the topic of sex, sexual assault, and other forms of violence are brought up in our conversations. Listener discretion is advised. Today's truth. Sexual assault can happen in a committed relationship. Entering into a relationship does not give anyone the right or ownership of another person's body. Being in a committed relationship is no different than any kind of hookup when it comes to consent. Each person has the right to not give their consent at any time. Every time two people engage in sexual activities, consent must be obtained. Yeah, so this kind of goes into that assumption that just because you're in a relationship, just because sexual activity has happened one time does not mean that it's a person's right for it to happen all the time or whenever they want it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. no matter how long you've been in a relationship with someone, they at no point own your body or own the right to it. Like, if we go back to the, the tea example, if they want a cup of tea one day, doesn't mean they want a cup of tea every day. You should still always ask, do you want a cup of tea? It's interesting that some Canadians still think that there's no need for consent in long-term relationships, which is very old-school thinking that once you're uh, out of, like, casual dating or once you've committed to a person, then that's it, and that was the act of consent. But that's not the case. No, the Canadian Women's Foundation found that 1 in 10 Canadians believe consent to sexual activity is not needed between long-term partners and spouses. Which, going back to like basic examples, it, it seems so foreign to me that we wouldn't expect consent. We wouldn't need it to be ongoing. We need consent in every aspect of our lives with this person. Why do we forget about it in the bedroom? And so prior to 1983 in Canada, rape, and we're using the word that was uh, part of the legal jargon back in the day, rape was considered an offense only outside of marriage, meaning that spouses could assault their partner and not be criminalized for it. And that, I'm classic millennial where I think anything after 2000 was just like 1983, 20 years ago. 
but still, let's let's do actual math. So 40 years ago is not that long ago. People were like still living through that. So it's not that not that long ago that this law came into effect. And this is like a pretty critical law when we come to uh, think about uh, consent and sexual assault. Yeah, in the previous uh, legal definition, it emphasized the relationship between a man and a woman, and they emphasized the need for there to be actual penetration. So, and evidence. And evidence, yeah. Yeah, so in, in 1983, they abolished that law, but it's so wild to think back that to when maybe our parents were married. That's not that long ago. That was maybe a person ago that it needed to be proof of penetration between a man and a woman, and it had to happen outside of marriage. And it was also kind of that classic thinking that a wife could only charge her husband for offenses where there was bodily harm, such as physical violence or threatening behavior, not talking about any kind of sexual assault. Yeah, sexual assault can happen in, in so many different ways. And I'm glad that we've moved away from that idea that it needs to include physical harm because the the wound it can have on on our mind and our well-being is just as intense as a physical injury um, not to say that that doesn't happen so the new law um, it de-emphasizes the fact for it to be a, a man and a woman it, it now includes that it can happen to a man um, and it, it emphasizes the um, idea that it's a power-based crime and not a, not based on sexuality it is yeah, power-based violence. Yeah, so this bill, is C-127, came into effect January 4th, 1983. Something else that this bill did was remove that language of rape and started talking about these crimes as sexual assaults. So that really helped to change the framework in, in how we're naming this, this type of violence, these types of crimes. Yeah, and um, it also... took away that you need the proof of the vaginal penetration, meaning that if a a survivor chooses not to um, report within 24 hours, they can still have a case. It brings the emphasis back on on consent rather than the act of penetrating. And sexual assault, it, it can be anything that is of sexual nature that goes against you and isn't is done without your consent it doesn't have to just be sex there's kissing there's harassment there's all different um ways that sexual assault can happen to a person and this bill now encompasses that and so something that we obviously talk about so much within our work is consent why do we talk about it so much uh because only one in three canadians understand what it means to give consent which is that's a lot of canadians who don't (laughs) understand this this aspect of consent and that's what we really just want to create this culture where consent is so commonplace so that we're never questioning behavior or never um thinking back being like oh did i push boundaries was that not okay because conversations were always happening yeah the more normal we can make consent the easier it is when it happens or when we need it when it's most important um and understanding consent um it, it consent needs to be enthusiastic and ongoing it has to be given with a clear yes affirmative words and positive body language um and here we're talking about it in sex but it can happen in everyday interactions with your partner too or your friend or whoever like 
sometimes I'll ask, can I hold your hand? And we've been in a relationship for however long. I know that he's probably okay with it, but it's nice to ask. And it, on like a personal note, it makes you feel kind of new again and exciting. It, it's nice to ask. Yeah, and this is... So if we're kind of debunking this myth that um, sexual assault cannot happen in relationships, what are ways that uh, people in relationships can start to bring up this topic of consent in their life? Everyday conversations, kind of like that. Like, start having a conversation. Do you want a coffee? Even though you know that they want coffee every morning. Maybe that day... They don't. Maybe they're feeling really energized because they had a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they want to. Um, and then in- integrating it into your everyday conversations and your everyday life, it, practice makes perfect. Yeah, and that practice can then translate to intimate settings. Because what we're trying to explain in this episode right now is that because you had sex last night does not mean that you're automatically going to have sex tonight. Because you um, had oral sex a week ago does not mean that your partner is up for oral sex this evening. So if we practice asking, receiving, uh, accepting no's in these everyday scenarios, asking for coffee to hold your hand, then this practice of consent is not so new when it comes to sexual activity with your partner. Yeah, yeah, and, and hold space for your partner when you do say no. It's okay to say no, and you can say no at any point. Like, you can be nude in the bed, making out, and you can say no. It, it's okay, it's your body. Um, they might feel a little bit insulted or, or, or embarrassed, and that's okay, discuss it with them. Let them know where you're at, and if anything, I think, I think it'll bring you closer. Just learning what you want, what you don't want, and what your partner wants and doesn't want. Yeah, I really think that true intimacy comes just from open and honest communication. So having those kind of challenging conversations, especially when it's in the moment, is just going to bring that partnership or that uh, relationship closer and more authentic versus uh, kind of avoiding that or being more surface level. I think that's where you start to feel safer and can have that layer of trust and then you can with that with feeling safe you can explore and say what you need what you don't need open up new doors but if you don't feel safe in the first place you don't really know the person or what they're thinking or what they need yeah absolutely i think that's it for this one yeah if you want to check out our um, resources we'll put them in the show notes Um, and as always we'd love to hear your feedback Please let us know what you think of this episode in the comments and what you'd like to be featured in future seasons. Remember to like and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. And if you like what we're doing, please share our podcast. You can find us at harmonyproject.ca or send us an email at yps at ywcabanff.ca. The Harmony Project's diverse stakeholders, through expertise and experience, are working together to end sexualized violence in the Bow Valley. The Harmony Project is funded by the Ministry of Community and Social Services on behalf of the Government of Alberta.